give away cash we don't give away new cars vacations to las vegas or cruises to alaska we deal in a commodity that's much more valuable we deal in the truth and we give it away in bulk without strings without terms and conditions and at no cost to you and how do we do it we make it up in volume we're tnn the truth news network and your host is dan newman Good morning, everybody. Let me start with a question of you. How are you doing in this holiday season so far? <laughs> Wait a minute. We just had Thanksgiving. That's just one event. Well, guess what? We start Christmas month tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. It's already December. Yeah, it is. And I know your world is full, even without dealing with the Christmas stuff that overwhelms most of us in a normal year. But think about this one, where our money, we are told, what you are spending as a family, now, because of Bidenomics, you're paying $1,100 a month more, the average American family, $1,100 a month more for the same things that you bought at the end of Donald Trump's presidency. Bidenomics, oh my gosh, insanity. They're still out there touting how great a job Joe Biden has done at bringing our economy back from the brink of disaster. And it's at the brink of disaster it was when Joe Biden took the oath of office because the orange man, he was horrible. He destroyed our economy. That's typical for Democrats about now, right? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. We have many, many things to cover, but we're going to whistle and sing along for just a couple of minutes. Don't you ever invite your boyfriend here? I'd like to be here alone. Just answer the door and the telephone Got to learn these words and I know you will or I'll send you right back to quiet kill
want you to try to remember one thing Somebody knocks or the telephone rings Say what I know Say what I know Say what I know song to start your morning with well you're ending november with tnn live and i want to thank you for that it's always good to have partners out there that are listening that are reading our stories and engaging yourselves that's what we've all got to do speaking of that this morning i actually heard this in a circle k standing at a counter there was an older man and at the register next to him was a young guy And this older man was talking to somebody behind the counter that worked there and mentioned that Henry Kissinger died and looked at that young man that was standing there. And the young man said, what position did he play? (laughs) Henry Kissinger. I'm not laughing about Henry Kissinger passing away. He did on Wednesday at the age of 100. Kudos for anybody that's still pumping oxygen in and out of their lungs at the age of 100. Well, here's a good question. What was Henry Kissinger all about? Who was he? What was the big deal about him being in cahoots with a bunch of different presidents over the lifetime of his uh, professional career? Well, who was he? Kissinger was a conservative internationalist. That's somebody who favored engagement over neutrality, but at the same time prioritized American interest in doing so. Kissinger sought to create stability that would ultimately work to America's advantage. So what was his big achievement? Well, he always said he felt confident and really good about helping to split communist China away from the Soviet Union. Now, you know what that means. He was really old, (laughs) 100 years old. That communist China split happened a long time ago. He engineered a thaw in relations that saw then-President Richard Nixon, who had built his political career as a tough anti-communist. And Kissinger got Nixon to go visit China back in 1972. One of his successors, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, later declared that the policy of engaging China had been a failure. 
The fact was that it isolated the USSR, the old Soviet Union, weakened it, helping to precipitate the collapse of the Soviet Union and its satellites two decades later when Ronald Reagan was president. So at the same time, Kissinger was reviled by the left for his role in expanding the Vietnam War to Cambodia and for backing right-wing dictators and militias around the world as a counterweight to Soviet rebels and regimes. A critic named Christopher Hitchens, later a supporter of the Iraq War, imagined trying Kissinger for war crimes. Well, he was one of those hot and cold kind of guys. You either liked him, you admired him, or you hated him. Kissinger was a symbol of American real politic, to borrow a term that Otto van Bismarck, the 19th century statesman who built Kissinger's native Germany. Until this morning, I didn't know Henry Kissinger was from Germany. So, I just wanted to put that out there. I didn't want to go through the show without recognizing the fact and telling those of you that had not heard Henry Kissinger is dead at 100 years old. Long life, and pretty healthy all his life. And he wasn't like an exercise freak. In fact, he didn't exercise at all. He wasn't a heavy drinker. He just took care of himself and kept his main, his brain engaged in things. He didn't ever let himself stop or even slow down. He just kept right on trucking through life. And he was always involved in international political issues trying to make bridges, build bridges between everybody in the planet that really needed to get along with everybody else on the planet. So on that vein, he was a good guy. Well, let me ask you this. How do you think we're going to fare during this winter that is about to begin in earnest? I'm talking about our health and our health care system. You remember... Every winter over the past two or three years, we've had something come up. And when it comes up in the way of healthcare, disease, germs, bacteria, whatever it is. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, a bat infected. Um, I don't even want to call it a disease. You know what I'm talking about, COVID-19. In the middle of all of that, it seems like our government has found a way to weaponize itself against us, but doing it in the name of, oh, we know what's best for you. We, the U.S. government, we're going to take care of things. Well, we must be really close to something serious coming down the pike. Would it be a pandemic? I have no idea. I know there are many people in government that would love to see a pandemic come along about, oh, I don't know, 11 months from now, election month, where a lot of people would stay at home and not even vote. Don't say that is not going to happen. Let me give you a little inside scoop. Very quietly, the FDA has pulled some key medications, taken them off the shelves here in the United States. Why? Because there's a new China virus that is showing up. Remember this? Remember in, gosh, I don't know, 2020, 2019? Remember when toilet paper, water, food, drugs, 
People were hoarding everything, all of these items. Back in 2020, as a world, we all locked down in fear of COVID-19. What happened next? The FBI demonized and they blocked, even blocked, life-saving medications that had been proven through years across the globe as being effective. Things like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Well, an election year is almost here. And that crap's happening again. After decades on the market, listen to this. Yesterday, the FDA declared that the active ingredient in popular cold medicines, over-the-counter stuff, Dayquil, Mucinex, Sudafed, Theraflu, and you know what their purpose is for blocking it, taking it off pharmacy shelves across the nation? They're ineffective. CVS, other pharmacies are pulling all these products from store shelves today, right now. To me, I don't know about you, but hearing that makes me start feeling like the perfect storm is ahead. Remove reliable over-the-counter medications and supplements from the shelves. Use wars and pandemics to enact severe shortages and even prescription pharmaceuticals. Force lockdowns to push mail-in ballot voting. And as a bonus, fill Big Pharma's wallet by mandating another experimental vaccine. Boy, we know how that story plays out, don't we? Don't rely on Joe Biden's health care system to get your back. Ain't happening. Whether this crisis comes in the form of a pandemic or something more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family, you better get ready. Because I think, I'm predicting, we're headed down that road. There is nothing that this administration and every Democrat that breathes air would like more than a pandemic with all of the stuff that comes along with it, especially the P word, pandemic lockdowns. Look what happened across the world. Look what they were effective in doing back in 2020. Life changed for all of us. Besides the obvious deaths and horrible incidents that happen as adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccinations. And by the way, I'm not going to spend any more time on this, but I want to point something out. COVID-19 vaccinations. Smallpox vaccinations. DPT. All those child vaccinations. I'm going to blow your mind when I tell you this. Do you know there's not one vaccination, not one, that is fully approved by the FDA in the United States? They're still not fully approved. Bet you didn't know that. We learn something new pretty much every day if we hang around. And just because our government tells us, hey, this is the way it is. Don't think for a second that it's the way it is. Find out the facts of what they're talking about. Where are we going to go today? Well, another day, supposedly more hostages being released over in Israel. Hamas and Israel doing another swap today, supposedly. 
who's going to come out, where is everybody. Very quietly over the weekend, we learned that Hamas has actually sold, literally sold hostages to other jihadist organizations for them to use for their betterment. In other words, holding people from other nations, those governments hostage, and getting money out of the governments just to get their citizens released. And the sad thing is, there's no master list that has every hostage's name on it. Nobody knows for sure who is hostage. And when somebody's missing, it can only in these days be for one of two reasons. One, they are hostages being held somewhere to use later as ammunition to get something that these jihadists want. Or two, they're dead already. There is a shroud of gloom that has settled on the Middle East, that part of the world, where people just don't know. Every day we hear interviews, we hear people that are affected by all of this horror perpetrated on beginning the 7th of October, when during the wee hours of the morning, Hamas stormed into Israel and slaughtered 1,200 Jewish people. We can't even imagine what that would be like. I watched about 10 minutes early this morning on Fox News, and the reason I did is I wanted to see an interview that Dana Perino, I think it was Dana did, with a 14-year-old Israeli young girl. She and her family, when that attack happened on October 7th, they had a safe room, a room to go to that, you know, was very safe. It was geared so people couldn't break in. So they were insulated, basically, inside the safe room. Hamas found a way to break down the door, and this little girl watched her dad get shot several times right in front of her face. She lost a bunch of other family members. And she actually sat in that chair this morning answering questions the specific questions about how it happened, what it looked like, how she felt. And one of the hostages that was released yesterday was her first cousin. Wasn't living in the same house with them. But it was almost like she was numb to the pain and the horrors that must be going through her mind every day. About her dad, she saw her dad get slaughtered in front of her. If you've not been through that, and thankfully I've not been through that, we can't possibly say that we understand when some of these people that have been through this, multiple times in many cases, multiple relatives and family members and friends, close friends that are gone forever, and you didn't get to say goodbye, that part would really tear me up. For the rest of that 14-year-old her life. She's going to think about all of this. Wow. I have no idea what's going to happen, but with Joe Biden in the White House, his insecurity, his cognitive disability, those things that are so obvious, his decision-making is in the tank. 
What do you think these foreign nation leaders think about the United States under this leadership? We're ripe to get popped by some terrorist organization or even an invasion of some sort coming through Mexico. Why is that? Hey, if you wanted to come into the United States and take it over or really create some horror and panic among the American people, all you got to do to get here is go somewhere and walk up through the southern border. It's wide open. You put that in line with the fact that we know factually Hezbollah has a massive training center in central Mexico. Hamas has one too. Now, why would they put training centers, these Middle Eastern jihadists, why would they put their training centers in central Mexico? Think about that for a second. What could they possibly want to be happening? Let's move on. I've got some sound bites, some narrative, some pretty serious stuff to share with you during this two-hour show. So don't leave. Don't walk away from your computer or your cell phone if you're listening, however you're listening live. If you do, make sure you go get this show, download it from later on in the morning after the show is over. Within 15, 20 minutes, the show is uploaded to your favorite podcast hosting spot, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, all of them have TNN Live Get the show and listen to the whole content on this show today. Something popped up overnight that I was surprised about. The Biden campaign, believe it or not, is dead silent about Donald Trump for a minute at least. Trump has openly come after Joe Biden and challenged him to debate one-on-one. Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Trump seems more than eager to debate Trump, uh, Biden, by the way. However, Biden's re-election campaign is dead quiet. They haven't announced any plans to put 81-year-old Joe Biden on the general election but debate stage. Less than a year out now. We're less than a year from the presidential election. This nonpartisan commission on presidential debates, they have announced the three dates for next year's general election forums. Though Trump previously said in June he wasn't going to debate Biden, questions about if he would attend the general election debates have risen as the former president continues to skip the Republican primary debates. But when asked if the former president if the Republican presidential nominee would participate in the general election debates, a senior Trump aide said, President Trump looks forward to debating Crooked Joe next fall. The real question is whether or not Joe will debate President Trump. Specific to the Presidential Debate Commission, the campaign has not yet accepted the suggested terms that were made to them recently. So now every time, almost every time, somebody's talking to, asking questions 
of anybody in the Biden administration, they won't respond. They won't say, yes, he will, he's thinking about it, or no, he won't. Kate Bedingfield, former White House communications director and Biden's 2020 deputy campaign manager, she was speaking on NBC News and said, it's a good strategic decision to know who your opponent will be before you commit to debating them. Adding that the Biden campaign doesn't need to lock themselves into a decision yet. It's pretty easy. You're either going to debate or you're not. And if you're trying to and hoping and praying for somebody that's lesser, somebody that is not as qualified to debate as the sitting president, if you're waiting for that person to show up, forget about it. <laughs> There'll never be a debate that includes Joe Biden. I don't think there will anyway. So did you hear about the hoo-ha in New York City last night? It was all over the news the early part of the week. I mean, every news agency was up there talking about it, prognosticating there's going to be trouble in New York City. It's lighting the Christmas tree at the annual Rockefeller Center Christmas lighting. Security measures for last night were increased. Yeah, think? Yeah, they put some more cops on them, a bunch of them, as the New York Police Department anticipated the anti-Israel protest would aim to disrupt this holiday tradition. But demonstrators still broke through barricades, some even physically engaged with the police, and there were some moments of chaos that were captured on video. I'd show it to you right now, but obviously you can't see, but you could hear it. We may find something. It's hard to put it all in context, though, without being video. Throughout the night, the NYPD tried to keep a group in line by putting up barricades, but tensions escalated, reaching a boiling point when some demonstrators and officers squared off, throwing fists and even falling to the ground. The flood, the tree lighting for Gaza protest. It actually got a name. It led to multiple arrests. Much of the video captured was shared by journalist Julio Rosas. Eventually, the barricades and the cops couldn't contain the crowd. People broke through, began marching through the streets, while officers continued to make one arrest after another. Crowd came and attacked, and it was a melee, one witness told CBS News. Police reported the tree lighting ceremony was not disrupted. Hmm. Pretty confident pro-plug for the annual Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting. You want my opinion about something? I was just thinking about that during that little pregnant pause. I think this thing is really going to go biblical between now and November of next year. This thing I'm talking about is all of the chaos, the back and forth, the uncertainty, the screaming and hollering and protesting and terrorist activity. Yeah, I believe we're going to have some terrorist activity. How could they not? They've been coming into our nation. Eight million people that we know of came through so far on Joe Biden's watch, and we know hundreds of them, we find out later, are or were on the terrorist watch list. And there are people coming from Hamas, 
people coming from Russia, from China. Yeah, there's going to be some nasty stuff. What can we do about it? I can't give you an answer. But I can recommend that we all just get ready for it, whatever that means. And it's going to be different for different people. The one thing that every American needs to realize is if we ever get toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with a single real terrorist or a group of terrorists, especially Islamist, jihadist, terrorist, for them, it's a good thing to be killed for their cause because they're promised a passel of virgins when they get to their heaven. They don't mind getting killed. They really don't. They're taught that from birth. That's one of the most proud moments in a practicing Muslim's activist, Islamist Muslim's life is to go out swinging and taking a bunch, as many infidels as they possibly can when they go. Infidel by their definition is anybody that's not Islamist. You're an infidel, period. You got to go. You're not supposed to be breathing, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen, that you do quit breathing. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, a little inside look at what's happening tonight on Fox News on the Sean Hannity Show. Everybody knows. Everybody in the world knows. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, is going to debate Ron DeSantis one-on-one with Sean Hannity in the middle. (laughs) That's coming on tonight. We'll get into a little more of that. Plus, I've got some really important things you need to hear from other people. I won't tell you what they are. Stay tight. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dancing. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your cart, skin, yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? 
crawl or lullagag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Final thoughts about this Newsom-DeSantis debate tonight. There's a big problem. One specialist, election specialist, said this. Ron DeSantis is not a good debater. Said that DeSantis could be finished after the Newsom debate tonight. You know, I think, I like Ron DeSantis. He's done a great job down in Florida. And he helped push a lot of good people, really good people, even people that were once Democrats, Push them into the conservative parties down in Florida and also around the world. He seemed to be the heir apparent to replace Donald Trump as president. And my personal pick, the way I thought it would best work out, this is going to be, if Trump wins, obviously for constitutional reasons, he could only serve four more years. But his age and all that kind of stuff, the heir apparent would have been perfect for DeSantis to run as the VP with Trump. Join their political forces together. They both have great achievements in their rearview mirrors. DeSantis on the local state level, Trump on the national, international level. And if DeSantis would walk side by side with Trump for four years, he'd be the perfect person to follow Trump for two terms. That would mean we would have had three terms in a row. Twelve years with the conservative president. That would have been a great opportunity. But DeSantis, proud, did it in Florida and thought just because he did it in Florida, the American people would think he could do it nationwide. That's not the way it happens automatically. There have been many governors throughout U.S. history that thought the same thing, and they decided to run for president instead of working their way up through and learning about governing at the national, international level. DeSantis didn't want to do that. And experts are saying, Newsom is a good debater. DeSantis is not. This could be the death nail in the presidential campaign by Ron DeSantis and company. Now, here's the latest numbers. They're pretty stark for DeSantis. Trump leads him 61.3% to 13%. That's according to the Real Clear Politics average. Now, what they do, these poll numbers are a compilation of the top five biggest, most credible polling agencies. Trump, 61.3%. DeSantis, 13%. Former ambassador to the United Nations and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, 9.9%. 
So this may not be a good night for DeSantis. He's not good at it. In this case, it's a no-brainer. 1,000% the facts are on his side. But he's a bad debater. Newsom is a handsome, dashing guy and a great salesman. If he ties or beats DeSantis in the charm category, that's it. DeSantis is finished. That's coming from Mark Simone. Governor DeSantis has done an extraordinary job in the state of Florida. That's former Trump administration official Monica Crowley. The economy is booming. The out-migration from the Northeast and Midwest and West, where taxes and regulations are sky high. DeSantis has welcomed them all. Economy thrived culturally, socially, economically, you name it. But the style factor is huge. Gavin Newsom is always full of it. But style tends to trump in formats like this one, the debate tonight she's talking about. Newsom's approval rate has dropped. It was 55%. It's now at 44% as he's been hyped by some media commentators as a potential replacement for Joe Biden next year or as a candidate for president way down the road, 2028. DeSantis defeated Democrat Mayor Andrew Gilliam of Tallahassee by 0.41% in 2018 after a recount. And then DeSantis won the 2022 gubernatorial election in a landslide, defeating former Democrat Representative Charlie Crist, who served as governor in Florida from 07 to 2011 as a Republican. And DeSantis beat him by 19%. As Democrats ramp up their efforts to replace the historically unpopular and failed Joe Biden as their nominee, Ron DeSantis' showdown with Gavin Newsom is even more timely. Now, of course, that's coming from the DeSantis camp. His campaign manager, James Utmeyer, and that came in a statement. A Newsom presidency would accelerate America's decline, and November 30th will be the first chance to expose to a national audience just how dangerous his radical ideology would be for the country. DeSantis is going to take this responsibility serious and looks forward to sharing the stark contrast between his vision to revive our nation and Newsom's blueprint for failure. That's from DeSantis' campaign manager, Utmeyer. Let's move on. Just minutes ago, a spokesperson for the IDF, the Israeli Defense Organization, I thought you ought to hear this. It's kind of good to get an update, and they're doing this daily now, which is also, I think, really, really good. Very, um, I don't think it's a good thing to happen, but guess where they're finding Hamas militants now? They're finding them inside Israel along the West Bank. And they're also seeing some of those Hamas terrorists in Syria with some members of Hezbollah. This could be a bad omen. This is day 54 in the Israel-Hamas war, and I'm Yair Pinto, reporting to you from Israel. Yesterday, 
10 additional Israeli citizens were returned to their homes back in Israel from Hamas captivity. The terror organization Hamas is still holding some 100 Israeli civilians inside the Gaza Strip somewhere in an underground tunnel. On Israel's north, in the battle against Hezbollah, IDF forces are striking Hezbollah positions and weakening its ability to carry out attacks against Israel using sophisticated intelligence and precise attacks that target its weapon stockpiles, missile launchers, and neutralizes its militants. In the area of Al Shayeb, IDF special drones and other intelligence information and technologies located a group of militants organizing next to the area of Shtula, which is an Israeli community on the northern border with Lebanon. The IDF was able to neutralize this organization before it conducted an attack against the Israeli community and opened a wide-scale aerial bombardment that included artillery and other ammunition that neutralized some 20 terrorists in Lebanon, according to Lebanese reports. The IDF is conducting daily operations on its northern front against Hezbollah in Lebanon and other Iranian proxies in Syria. Despite the ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, the IDF is conducting daily operations against Hamas terrorists in the West Bank area of Judea and Samaria, particularly in the city of Tulkarem, which Hamas terrorists are operating from and in recent days murdered some Palestinians suspected of informing on behalf of Israel against Hamas. The IDF carried out a wide-scale operation to locate, neutralize, or capture the Palestinian terrorists that are affiliated with Hamas and carried out this murder against their own people. The IDF is proving that he is controlling the West Bank and that Hamas has no hold in these cities. In another Palestinian city called Jenin, the IDF was conducting operations against terror elements, neutralizing some five terrorists and capturing 12. In the West Bank city of Hebron, in which live a Jewish population alongside the Palestinians, a special SWAT unit of the Israeli police uncovered an undercover weapon stockpile that was stored beneath a mosque and included grenades and homemade weapons. Israel is fighting five fronts at the same time against Hamas, against Hezbollah, against Iran, against the Houthis, and against Palestinian terror elements in the West Bank. This is very complicated, and this ceasefire relates only to what is happening in the Gaza Strip against Hamas. We need your help in prayer, and we need your help in sharing that the IDF is defending itself. Imagine a country the size of New Jersey being attacked by five different terror elements, including states and huge terror organizations. We would win this war because God is on our side and because we have no other option. If Israel will not win, Israel will not exist. So please join us in prayer for our soldiers, for our hostages, for our allies, and for the peace of Jerusalem. 
just think about this. Think about what he just said. Six million Jews were slaughtered by Adolf Hitler in World War II. Six million. Now put that in the context of how many Jewish people there are all across the globe. One would think 20, 30, 40 million people. No. Nine million. Nine million. That's the total population. And that's not exactly the number, but it's in that area. That's a realistic estimate of how many Jews there are on earth. In the United States, Jewish population is two and a half percent. I thought it, I always thought it was higher than that, but that's what it is. What is it about the Israeli people that cause so many people to hate them? We've broken it down numerous times here. The facts, the facts, what they're perpetrating out on the streets, what these leftists, these American leftists are screaming about, none of it's factual. They, being the Hamas terrorist, Iran, all of the other terrorist organizations on the globe that hate Israel and hate Jewish people, what they're after is not a two-state solution. That's a talking point they use all the time to try to legitimize what they're doing And they're saying that using that term. We want a two-state solution. We want a two-state solution. Palestine, the Palestinian people, they want to have a geographical nation of their own. They think everybody on earth is stupid. I was around in 2005. Were you? Remember? In 2005, what did Israel do? They turned the keys over to a 25-mile stretch of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea, the highest-priced land and the most successful financially of any section of Israel. They tossed the keys over to the Palestinian national people. Here it is. Israel pulled everything out of Gaza, gave Gaza 25 miles about 60 miles wide, gave it to the Palestinian people. They had their two-state solution. They screwed it up. Bragging about it worldwide, they said, we've got to have our own election, free and fair election. So they had an election. It wasn't free. It wasn't fair. You know Why? because the Hamas terrorist organization went into Gaza at that point and took that election and declared that the Hamas leaders, political leaders, they said, that were on the ballots for this election, they won. They won every position. So, in other words, the Palestinian nationals, they gave that country that Israel gave to them, they gave up, total control of their country, the Palestinian people, and Hamas took over. Those people in New York City last night, they've all heard the cries for the two-state solution. I bet you there's not 10% of them that know what really 
is the purpose of these Hamas terrorists and other brands of terrorists over there that are after Israelis. They want one thing and one thing only, exterminate Jews from the world, period. Everywhere there are Jewish people. And so all these hardcore media sycophants that don't have a clue about facts, don't even remotely care about truth, they're calling conservatives. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, who's supposed to be, and he told us he was going to be if he won the election, I'm going to be the great uniter. I'm going to bring Americans together. We're not going to have divisiveness. He created the term. MAGA, extremist, conservatives. Does that sound uniting to you? And every time he gets a chance to take a shot against every conservative on the planet, anybody that disagrees with any Democrat concept, suggestion, whatever, if you disagree, you're a MAGA extremist. Period. So uniting. And then you look across the spectrum of Democrats in power in our government. It's scary. Adam Schiff. I got so excited when I was told he's not going to run for Congress. He's not going to run for the House re-election next year. He's running for the Senate seat that was vacated by the death of one of the longest-running senators, somebody who I really liked from San Francisco. I thought, man, we're going to get rid of Adam Schiff. Well, he's been kind of laying low. He is still in Congress. He occupies the seat that he's represented for several years, but he's campaigning a lot. I haven't heard a lot from him, but every time now that he gets a chance to pop his head up, he's doing it. He wants to take a shot at anybody and everybody because he is going to have a real tough time of winning Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat, at least the part of the term that is left. She had to, in fact, walk away from it before she ultimately died a couple of months ago. Now, Adam is teamed up with, they have a love fest, he and Liz Cheney. You know Liz Cheney. She is the daughter of Dick Cheney, former vice president under Bush 43, and also Bush 41. He he was in the elder Bush's administration. And she's an extremist. She's from the Pacific Northwest, Wyoming. She represented Wyoming, the state of Wyoming, in Congress for a number of years but she came out against Donald Trump aggressively over and over and over again during Trump's four years. And she's from a very red state, Wyoming. Those people loved Donald Trump. And they didn't just because he's a Republican and they are too. It was because of what he was able to achieve. On every front, life got better for every American. Seriously, four years. I never thought something could change like that for the better, and obviously we've seen it for sure can change for the worse in that short period because of what we've watched Joe Biden do. But Cheney has incessantly 
been nasty, negative to any Republican, any conservative that agrees with Donald Trump. She's just joining the choir because Democrats have been doing it. All kinds of leftists have been doing it. And still, the majority of Americans, they see what Trump did and they like it. They're reminiscing. And many of them are coming out now saying, you know what? We were a lot better off four years ago than we are today on every level. So Cheney's back in the news. Why? Because she's got a book coming out, December 5th, a new book. And we are now, they gave her book in advance copies to all of the leftist news outlets. And they're all out there bragging, having a great time, laughing at Donald Trump. Somebody read a quote from the book that said, Donald Trump is the orange Jesus. And that was a quote from Liz Cheney, according to CNN. I never thought I would be singing so many praises of a Cheney before, but I came to deeply respect her. That's Adam Shifty's shift. He was defeated by, uh, excuse me, Liz Cheney was beaten in the midterms, not just lost an election. She was slaughtered by now Congresswoman Harriet Hageman by 37 points in a primary during the 2022 midterm election. And now, thumping his chest, Adam Schiff. Cheney said she has an admiration for Democratic Representative Nancy Pelosi's leadership. She agrees with Pelosi, Schiff does, excuse me, Cheney does, on the one thing that matters most. Deadline White House guest host Alicia Menendez told Adam Schiff that. Jamie Raskin, Democrat congressman, has said much the same about Cheney. They do agree on safeguarding democracy. Is there a cross-party coalition for democracy? What would it look like for a group of Republicans and Democrats to come together on this core issue? Well, you can't get Democrats to come together on democracy because they call what they're promoting democracy, but what it is is a version, and we'll call it totalitarianism light. It's not quite totalitarianism, but it is the antithesis to democracy. They don't want the people to have the ultimate voice and say-so for things for our government and how it should operate. They want unilateral authority and control to make those choices for every American. That is the antithesis to democracy. Quote, I love that anecdote about Nancy Pelosi because it's so classic, Nancy Pelosi. It doesn't matter what Liz may have said in the past. What matters and mattered to Nancy Pelosi is she, is she the right person for this committee to do this work? Talking about Liz Cheney going on Pelosi's January 6th, we can't even calling a hearing. It was a charade. It was orchestrated by Hollywood. They hired a Hollywood producer to put that whole thing together. Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney were the only, quote, so-called Republicans on the committee. They couldn't call anybody to come 
be a witness before the committee. They couldn't see any of the evidence, the so-called evidence that was presented, and they couldn't cross-examine any of the witnesses. So what were they? Rhinos at best, Republican in name only, but they are both anti-democratic. We the people elected Donald Trump as president. The people of Wyoming, they felt obviously very strongly that Liz Cheney didn't represent them when she served in Congress. They beat the snot out of her in a primary and center packing. Adam Kinzinger, the other Republican on that committee, he dropped out of, he didn't even run for re-election. He saw the handwriting on the wall. Pelosi barred Republican representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio and Jim Banks of Indiana. They were appointed by the Speaker of the House then, Kevin McCarthy, to serve on that January 6th select committee. And Pelosi wouldn't let them serve on the committee. First time in American history a House Speaker's done that. Typically, the way it happens, when committees are put together, the majority leader, in this case the, the Speaker of the House, puts a majority of Democrats on that committee, but then the minority leader in the House chooses the people that he or she wants to put on that committee, and they just do what the committee's going to do. First time in history, Pelosi wouldn't let Jim Jordan or Jim Banks serve on the committee. She said, nope, you don't get anybody if you're going to include those. We'll just not have a Republican on that committee. Schiff told... Menendez, this person interviewing him, with the leadership of Benny Thompson, we work together, notwithstanding, you know, deep ideological differences that each of us had with each other. That's Adam Schiff. I never thought I would be singing so many praises of a Cheney before, but I came to deeply respect her, and I think that was a very mutual in terms of all of us on the committee. So I think there certainly is a cross-party, nonpartisan coalition devoted to our committee. There's not one ounce of nonpartisanship in any Democrat in Congress, Senate side, White House, or House. They work in tandem amongst themselves, and they're against everything that comes before them from the conservative side of the House and the Senate. And they think Americans are too stupid to see and understand this. The insanity of the left, it just blows my mind every day when I hear these leaders, federal, state, local level, they get up and pontificate about what they think and feel, and they give stupid answers for issues that are before them in their cities, their towns, their states, their House Republican districts, they see all this stuff going on, and none of them want to take responsibility. They're the leaders on these three levels, local, state, and federal, but they don't want to take accountability for any of it. The brand-new mayor of Chicago, oh, my gosh, he came in and he replaced the nut job before him, and it's so bad, the crime is not just staying the same as it was before. It's going up and up and up. And in an interview yesterday, he told the world why it's going up, the crime still keeps going up, and who 
is 100% responsible for it. Listen to him. Everyone knows that the right-wing extremism in this country has targeted democratically ran cities. Who does the mayor of Chicago blame for the problems of a Democrat-run city for the last 80 years where everyone's getting shot? You're not gonna believe it, and you are gonna believe it. Well, it has to be better coordination. You know, what we've seen is a very raggedy form um, instituted by right-wing extremism. Um, everyone knows that the right-wing extremism in this country has targeted democratically ran cities. And quite frankly, uh, they've been very intentional about going after democratically ran cities that are led by people of color. And their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this, that particular party has been about. Right? This is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. It's the same Republican right-wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right-wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. It's disrespectful. It's mean-spirited. It's an unclean spirit, quite frankly. And so, so I got you. I got you. I just want to make sure that people understand what we're facing. That's why it's so important that the faith community is leaning in in this moment. Guys, 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 guys. It's not the 80 years of Democrat rule in Chicago and Illinois. It's not Lori Lightfoot before him. It's not this guy. It's not any of the economic conditions or what they've done with homeless or drugs or any of that stuff. They have all the laws, by the way, to stop people from getting guns, but people still get them one way or another, right? Because bad people do bad things. It's not any of that. It's that mean Republicans, these, these freaking Republicans keep talking about it. Why do they keep, they are just always focused on all of the black kids that are shot here. And, if and nobody has an exclusive on any of this falderal, this crazy stuff they came up with. Example, Democrat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She lied about a key top line statistic from a report that she referenced in a speech. She was touting her ambitious green energy mandate. Listen to this. Day before yesterday, she signed seven bills in Detroit that commit the state to reaching 100% green energy by 2040. One of the most ambitious state-level green energy mandates ever across the country. In her speech, she gave in Detroit, obviously, an official press release and further comments about the package Whitmer said the laws will create nearly 160,000 jobs by 2050. How'd she know that? Where did that number come from? She pulled it out her nose. There's no way to back that number up. But she did say how and why it's going to happen. In conjunction with federal legislation, she said. But that assertion is incorrect. The report informing that statistic finds that a new law will create 158,000 jobs. Years added, a different metric than jobs added. The report defines a job year as one job held for one year. Using that definition, for example, five people working on a new solar installation for three years, that amounts to 15 job years that are added, even though there are only five people actually occupying jobs. You get it? That's voodoo mathematics. Nevertheless, Whitmer claimed the green energy mandate will create 160,000 good-paying jobs in her speech in Detroit. 
marking the legislation's enactment and in the official press release for the signing of the bill. The press release cites the report for the job growth figure. She then repeated the same claim in a video posted on X, formerly Twitter. To come up with its total number of job years that were added, the report includes, quote, direct jobs, such as workers hired to construct wind turbines, as well as indirect jobs and induced jobs. Induced jobs. I wonder what the heck that is. This report defines indirect jobs, here's your answer, as those created to supply direct job workers with the goods and services they need, like steel and cement. Induced jobs are jobs that are created by the increases in economic activity driven by direct jobs and indirect jobs. (laughs) Can you imagine a governor of Michigan came up with this crap, no documentation, no justification, and it's that Democrat mantra I told you, the underlying thing that they're thinking about every speech they give, every commitment they make, this is the underlying philosophy. It doesn't matter what I tell you is going to happen. We're Democrats. We're in control. And we're going to make you do it our way and convince you that if you don't, it won't work. They're not even trying to disguise or hide that anymore. Basically, what Gretchen Whitmer has done since she's been in Michigan as a governor, she just, without saying these words, this is what her inference is in everything she says, like in this speech. Sit down and shut up. You don't have a right to attack anything that I say, I'm the governor. So it's not clear how this report that she titled the Michigan Clean Energy Framework, assessing the economic and health benefits of policies to achieve Michigan's climate goals, how she arrived at the job year's added number. The report mostly summarizes analysis rather than demonstrating the underlying calculations conducted to even get on those numbers. Nobody's questioning her. I've seen five or six stories about this thing that she put together and what she said about it. None of them are questioning her numbers. But we're not done. The report finds that the legislation would reduce average annual household energy cost by approximately, are you ready for this drum roll, $145 in the state in a year, $145. Like the job statistic, Whitmer cited this number in her speech, the press release and the video posted to X, as is the case with the job years added statistic, the report doesn't demonstrate, doesn't show explicitly how she came up with that number. Instead, plugs it into a table and says, this is the final number. The figure that Whitmer cites sharply contrasts with the findings of analysis that was conducted by Mackinac Center, which is a pro-free market think tank, based in Michigan, by the way, that found that the state citizens can expect to pay an additional, now remember, she said it was going to be $145 a year. The think tank analyzed the real numbers, and they say (laughs) 
Michiganians are going to pay an added $2,746 in energy cost each year. <laughs> There's a slight little variance there. Her number, $145 a year. The think tank's number, which they do this for a living, 2746 It's only off about $2,600. Oh my gosh, reliable natural gas power plants support good jobs, provide efficient electricity to Michiganders. Democrats' new laws to close these plants will put our people out of work and the massive investments in unreliable wind and solar power going to leave families with higher electric bills and susceptible to even more power outages. That, of course, comes from a conservative Michigan State Representative Matt Hall, who leads the Republican caucus in the state's lower chamber. When you can't sell job-crushing policies, you resort to made-up numbers and deceive everybody. One of the bills Whitmer signed on Tuesday, SB 519, is going to, and I'm quoting here, this is a Whitmerism, will provide for the adjustment of uh, transition-impacted workers into new industries. How are they going to do that? Establish a community and worker economic transition office in the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity. Wow, that sounds grand. The manufacturing industry, which provides more than 700,000 jobs in Michigan, could be hit hard by significant decreases in energy reliability and affordability. The way she thinks, the governor, who, by the way, she wants to be U.S. president. She wants to run, if not run for the presidency in four more years, be the next Democrat who runs for the presidency, be the vice president choice. Wow. No truth in any of this. And these are people that are supposed to... You heard the mayor of Chicago. He blamed all the criminal activity in Chicago. Blamed it on those evil maggative, magiv, MAGA extremists. That's why no Democrats at fault. There's no policy problem. There's no criminal problem. It all becomes... Just one of the little things that those MAGA extremists have done through the years to Chicago and the state of Illinois. In other words, none of this stuff is my fault. It's kind of like Obama and Biden. Everything bad that happened in their eight years, it was because of what happened in the eight years before them under the Bush 43 administration. And then everything that happened good in the Trump administration, this is after Barack and Joe left, even though all their policies were changed and things were done almost 180 degrees backwards from the way Obama and Biden did it, although that was all in place, everything good that happened in the Trump administration, the best economy Americans have seen in my lifetime, and I'm 70, it only got good because of what Barack and Joe did before Biden even got the wheel of the bus. There is no accountability among members of the Democrat Party. None. 
Anything bad that happens, it's not because of any policy. Bidenomics didn't have anything bad to do with our economy, which sucks right now. And Joe Biden, as recently as 30 days ago, was on the stump giving speeches touting the success of Bidenomics, and everything's costing us 20% more than it was when he took the oath of office. Talk about the definition of insanity. Oh, my gosh. We're going to take our second break. When we come back from this, you're going to hear two audio sound bites. Democrats. <laughs> James Posey just sent me a text, two-word text, talking about this mess, this Democrat mess. Two words, horse hockey. <laughs> you're right, James. It definitely is. You're going to hear from two different groups of people. And you're not going to believe this. Two different groups of people. And they're alleging all these so-called experts in media and government. They're expressing their personal opinions. And when you hear them, I want you to listen closely to how they say what they say because they are hardcore leftists. I think they actually may be communists. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. A wild-caught filio fish and a sizzly double cheeseburger. Well, they are two classics that never go out of style. Hold on. Wait. You're assembling a surf plus turf McDonald's hack, which must make you a menu hacker. Yes, the surf plus turf available only on the McDonald's app. You get free medium fries and a drink. Oh, someone opened the app. I need to order and build one immediately. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. Yesterday morning on MSNBC's Morning Joe, Mika and Joe, you see them every once in a while. I very seldom see them because I can't stand their show. I mean, it's the definition of stupidity 
on mainstream media. I don't know how these people got their job, but even more incredulous to me is that they keep them. But they were going through the Liz Cheney advance book that we told you a little bit about, and they were laughing. I mean, literally laughing about some of the well-known Republicans that actually questioned so audacious to even think about questioning a free and fair election and election results. Here, just let me list, you just listen to them for yourself. Another scene that Liz Cheney, we're talking about this new book. It's not out yet. She'll be with us next week, by the way, here in the studio to talk about it. She describes a scene on Capitol Hill before the attack on January 6th. According to CNN that received an early copy of the book, Cheney writes how she was in the Republican cloakroom where members were encouraged to sign their names on electoral vote objection sheets for each of the states Republicans were contesting. Cheney writes most members knew it was a farce and another public display of fealty to Donald Trump. She continues, among them was Republican Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee. As he moved down the line, signing his name to the pieces of paper, Green said sheepishly to no one in particular, quote, the things we do for the orange Jesus. Quoting there, Joe, a United States congressman talking about Donald Trump as they sign (laughs) sheets of paper in an attempt to fraudulently overturn an American presidential election. And and, and again, they they know. They know. They know it's nonsense. They all knew it was nonsense. And John uh, John Lemire, you wrote the book on this. They knew this was nonsense. The current Speaker of the House knew this was nonsense. But he actually led the attempt to overthrow the United States government. Let me say that again. The current Speaker of the House led the attempt inside the House to overthrow election results of a presidential election, thereby overthrowing American democracy. He led it because, as Liz Cheney said, he was so desperate to be in Trump's circle. For orange Jesus. He drafted the paperwork for the coup is what the new speaker did. And this is so it's a useful reminder of just how completely in Donald Trump's sway these Republicans were. They were willing to let him throw this temper tantrum after the election. They were willing to so they wouldn't have to concede. And this includes Mitch McConnell, who also let him go on for a long time uh, before finally standing up to him. And then so many members of the House of Representatives were happily signed on to participate in his coup, to go along with what happened on January 6th, many of whom continue to do so even after the riots. They still went through with their objections and efforts to install uh, fake electors. And really, now very little has changed, in part because of that Kevin McCarthy visit, where he went to Mar-a-Lago, and not just to deliver some McDonald's, apparently, but to apologize. He apologized to Donald Trump for speaking harshly to him on January 6th. And that was the beginning of Trump's rehabilitation within the Republican Party. And we have now seen he is well on his way to being their nominee. It was a pivotal moment, as was Lindsey Graham, who says, I'm done. I'm out. I'm finished. We had a good ride together, but I'm done with Donald Trump. And then somebody was mean to him in the airport in Washington, and he flipped on it. There's also, Mike, the human side of this. We've talked about this, Joe, and I have talked about this off the air, too. As As an adult, as a man, how do you look yourself in the mirror? What do you say to your kids when they say, but dad or husband or friend or son, all the evidence says you shouldn't have done these things. This is all a lie. Why are you doing this? What do you say? What do you tell your kids? Well, I had to do it because the big guy was real mad at us. Oh, my gosh. 
Is that an internal Democrat Party love fest? Oh my God, they laughed at the orange Jesus. (laughs) How could anybody, what stupid people to think that they could actually denigrate and stop the fulfillment of a duly processed and legal presidential election, election for the president of the United States. These people are crazy. All right? That was the MSNBC fan. You want some facts? Let me before I play this for you, let me let me just point something out. Almost every election in federal history, almost everyone has somebody contests some of the results. In fact, way back in 1960 before many of you were even born, and I was only seven years old, an entire slate of electors that were duly appointed by the election results of the people of Hawaii and the governor rejected the electors that the voters of Hawaii elected duly and presented his own slate of electors to go to the electoral college and cast votes. And you know why they did it? They didn't like the fact that John F. Kennedy was Catholic. And it didn't stop then. I want you to listen this very closely. I want you to listen. You'll know the voices that you hear. These are members of Congress who, after one of those duly legal elections for presidents of the United States, got up on the floor and rejected the results that were cast by those duly appointed electoral college members. Listen to this. House Manager Raskin objected to the certification of President Trump's victory four years ago, along with many of his colleagues. You'll remember it was Joe Biden who had to gavel them down. I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified. I object to the votes from the state of Wisconsin, which were not should not be legally certified. No debate. Mr. President, I object to the certificate from the state of Georgia on the grounds that the electoral votes no, were no not. No debate. There's no debate. And I object to a certificate uh, from the state of North Carolina. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. Um, I object. I object to the certificate from the state of Alabama. The electors were not lawfully certified. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. The objection cannot be entertained. The Counting debate is uh, not in order. Ballot. Even with the there Mount is no debate in order. Is it signed by a senator? There is no debate. There is no debate in the joint session. There is no debate. There is no debate. There is no debate. And the Please come to order. The objection cannot be received. But the Russian Section 18, Title III of the United States Code prohibits debate in the joint session. I do not wish to debate. I wish to ask, is there one United States senator who will join me in this letter? There is no debate. There is no debate. The gentlewoman will suspend. (laughs) They think, they must think, these idiots at MSNBC, somebody send a piece of this show that to send it to MSNBC where I call them idiots because they are. They think you don't have a memory. 
They think you live in a daily vacuum, and at the end of every day, you forget about everything that you'd ever heard before that particular day. They were laughing, laughing at Republicans. How dare them? Those are a bunch of idiots over there. When you just heard about 20 members of the Democrat Party that made fools of themselves on the House floor the day that they were certifying the Electoral College votes. When Donald Trump won. I just can't bear to believe we have people in the highest spots in government that are okay with this. And not only that, NBC, the owner of MSNBC, one of the oldest television networks in the world, NBC lets them do this, lets them go on air and make idiots out of themselves. Maybe that's why MSNBC's numbers, some days TNN Live has more listeners than MSNBC does in many of their day parts, including Morning Joe. Why is that? People know they are dishonest. They are not real news people. They are people there to try to get other people, listeners, viewers, to listen and hear what they have to say. And the reason, the only reason that they expect you to sit and listen or watch is because they're NBC. NBC News. MSNBC just means it's not good enough to put on the broadcast channel of NBC. But we want to get these people out there that we've turned into hardcore leftists. We need to give them their food every day just to keep them happy. I just wonder, how many of you have heard any of that when I just played for you? Why did I have it? Because I look for stuff every day. My wife will tell you, I, for this is a two-hour live show. Every two-hour show that I do, I spend four more investigating, finding things. I hear things. I spent over an hour yesterday looking up to verify or discount one specific thing that I heard. And I couldn't get it verified. It may be real. I've told you from the beginning of this show four years ago, here's what we do. Sometimes when we're investigating a alleged happening or something that is really important that we heard, usually while we're investigating, but we don't have final answers, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you what's out there, what people are thinking, what people are saying. And if I haven't been able or someone here hasn't been able to verify it, I'll say this. Hey, this is going on out here. I want you to know what's out there. Haven't been able to verify it yet. But if and when we verify it's true or false, I'll come back and tell you this. Let me tell you yesterday, the one I spent so much time looking into. There's a rumor that's been out there now for maybe 10 days that Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine, former comedian, stand-up comedian. That was a job he had when he got elected president of Ukraine. That'll tell you something about what the Ukrainian people need and their leaders as far as credibility, right? 
Ukraine has been known for decades as being the most financially, economically corrupt nation in Europe, period. Far worse than anybody else. And because of that fact, it's encouraged the banking system in Ukraine is built around it. They work with banks internationally. They move money left and right. We've seen it happen. And when we get to the bottom of this Joe Biden, Hunter Biden debacle, we're going to see just how corrupt the economy and the economic engine of Ukraine really are. Rumor. I saw it yesterday. I counted it on 33 different sources, pro and con. There's a rumor out there that Volodymyr Zelensky got a stand-in, actually got two stand-ins to represent him without saying it's him and bought two, not one, but two multi-million dollar yachts. Now, it has been very commonplace in the past. What I'm about to tell you now, this is not about Zelensky, but multiple big-time money criminals in all over states and countries in Europe have done those same things. When they buy yachts, obviously they're going to put them down on the Mediterranean or whatever. They buy them in other people's names. The allegation is that Zelensky took a bunch of the money that we, the United States people, have sent at the behest of our members of Congress that, especially Democrats, now a bunch of Republicans are backing away from it. They want more. They want billions more. What are they needed for? Well, we need to be able to continue our war against Vladimir Putin and keep communism from going this way In Europe, that's their excuse. Where's the money gone? What's it been spent on? No accountability, no audit. Nobody in the United States knows what has been spent, where it has been spent, and did any of it disappear or get away? There's no accountability, no audits. And yet, they're screaming every day. Yesterday, majority leader in the Senate, a Jew, Chuck Schumer gets up. And the conversation was supposed to be about giving money to the Israeli nation to help them and what they're facing now. Schumer got up and did a great speech about anti-Semitism in the United States especially, but across the world, hating Jewish people and what price the Jewish people have always paid just to be a real democracy. But he didn't stop there. The conversation was about a standalone bill funding for Israel. They won't do just that. The Democrats in the Senate are not going to do it in a standalone bill. It's got to be lumped in with at least 100 million additional dollars for Ukraine. So now you know the rumor that's out there about Volodymyr Zelensky. For every source that I got that offered some tentative proof that it really did happen, there's one that says exactly the opposite. Now, what makes it really suspicious to me is the sources that got so vehement 
Oh, no, he didn't do that. That's just a, a conspiracy theory. He didn't do it. Or the likely sources, MSNBC, CNBC, ABC News, the ones that came out without any verification, any evidence of it, they just poopod the whole idea. When that happens, <laughs> you know what I'm about to tell you. It makes me lean towards, it's probably true. We will find out. There are dog, and when I say dog media members, especially across Europe, I'm not derogatorily pointing out any member of the media over there. I'm saying there are people, it's like a dog that smells a bone and goes after it. They're going to stay on until they find proof that it is real, that it did happen, or that it didn't, and we'll find out. I'll let you know when we get a confirmation either way. What else we got to get to? An Oakland City Council hearing yesterday revealed where left-wing views of justice are leading. Oakland. God, what a, what a city that's in trouble. They found out about this justice thing when the council debated a resolution to call for a ceasefire in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Now, why are American entities, why are we inserting ourselves in the national problems of any other country? Why is it that people in the United States feel like they have the right and therefore must come out pro or negative Israel, pro or negative Hamas? Now it's Oakland. Deep blue out-of-touch cities in the Bay Area often like to play United Nations. So that's hardly news. What created a firestorm on social media this week is what happened after a line calling Hamas a terrorist organization was offered in the resolution that was presented for them to come out and support Israel compared to Hamas. When that line was read in that proclamation, all hell broke loose. For hours, speaker after speaker condemned the label By the way, the resolution passed, but without amendments, which were defeated. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews, one person said at this meeting, is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th, including children, were killed by the IDF, said one woman referring to the Israel Defense Forces. Another speaker said that condemning Hamas is the product of old white supremacists. Gen Z leftists showed up in force. One young woman wearing a face mask. I love that. Why do they do that? Why do these hardcore leftists that want to terrorize and demonstrate, they wear masks? They're afraid they'll be identified. You can take that and go all kinds of places with your imagination. You know where I went first and it was vindicated in my thought of this way back when the horror shows out on the West Post in Portland, Oregon. You remember every night that city was being torn to pieces. All those protesters slash terrorists were wearing these masks that nobody could see. We found out later the reason, one of the reasons they do that is they don't want to be recognized going from city to city because that's what they do. They get on these buses and big organizations, leftist organizations like George Soros, 
rent the buses and pay these people to go and they don't want to be seen and recognized going from city to city representing this cause and that cause and they're just doing their pay, whatever they have to do to get paid. Another young woman wearing a mask said, I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, an armed wing of the United Palestinian Resistance. There's no such thing as an armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. It's not unified. You have the Palestinian people, and then you have Hamas, and then you have Hezbollah. You have all kinds of other jihadist organizations, and they're never about the people. It's about hatred for Jews and Judaism, period. And also, by the way, I told you, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, I talked about how Palestine and the two-state solution, it existed all the way up until the late 2006, 7, 8, 9 period. Israel gave Palestine, didn't need to, they owned it legally. It was owned for generations by the United Kingdom. And at the end of World War II, the UK gave all that land to Israel. I mean, from the river to the sea. It belonged, all of it, legally, to Israel. So through all these years, since 1949, all kinds of chaos and uproar by Palestinian people, they were being controlled. They were not being able to do their own stuff, have their own government, let their cultures let their business practices, let all that be of their own making. Israel said, had enough, 2005, here, we'll pull out all of our stuff out of the most lucrative, very, very successful in money part of Israel, the Gaza Strip, 25 miles, top to bottom, miles wide. Gaza gave it, gave it to the Palestinian people. They decided they wanted to have a fully democratic election, elect those people that were going to run this new nation, Palestine. Never been one in history. They wanted to have one now, but they made a mistake when they got it given to them. Who stepped in, in, the, in behind the curtain? Hamas. When they had this election, those who conducted the election, they made darn certain that leaders in Hamas were the ones that were elected. And the rest is history. They gave it. It was theirs, given to them by Israel, who it was given to by the UK back in 1949. Another young woman also wearing a mask. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation. There's no occupation by Israelis. Israel pulled out of Gaza. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They would love it if they would just settle on what was legally given to them and that before that was legally given to Israel.
sick and tired of all this stuff. I really am. Several high-ranking Democrat politicians in California, they ripped Oakland yesterday, who loudly objected to condemning Hamas. City Council of Oakland, here we go again. They passed that resolution calling for a ceasefire and amendments were proposed that would condemn Hamas, which residents fervently opposed. Forget about the fact that they slaughtered 1,200 people in one day. Innocence. Nobody that they killed had a gun in their hands. They drugged most of them during the early morning hours of October 7th out of their beds. They slaughtered many of them that were still in pajamas. They raped many of the women when they were wearing pajamas. That's all documented. I've seen much of it. All 535 members of the U.S. Congress saw a closed two-hour video that documented all the news sources that were not just Israeli news sources, but news sources, some of them even from Gaza. And the terror that this jihadist organization carried out on people. The comments from these Oakland residents drew widespread condemnation on social media, including... California Governor Gavin Newsom and California Rep. Adam Schiff. Hamas is a terrorist organization. They must be called out for what they are, evil. That's Governor Gavin Newsom. Hamas is a designated terrorist organization. Their horrific attacks, rapes, killings, and kidnapping must be condemned. It's shocking to see people continue to downplay, deny, or even seek to justify those October 7th attacks. That's Adam Schiff. I can't even believe this. They debated and had, they voted for amendments at the city council meeting. Amendments on that resolution to condemn Hamas for taking hostages during that October 7th terrorist attack on Israel. There have not been beheadings of babies and rapings, one resident said during the meeting. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. That's from another Oakland resident. Anti-Semitism is on the rise in the U.S. following the terrorist attacks in Israel, particularly in left-leaning cities. Multiple elite colleges have also seen rises in anti-Semitism on their campuses with several implementing anti-Semitism task forces due to anti-Semitic activities. Oakland City Council passed a resolution calling for Gaza's ceasefire. When a council member asked to add language condemning Hamas, a stream of public comment praising and supporting Hamas ensued. The council then rejected the request to condemn Hamas. Just awful, Democrat California State Senator Scott Weiner said in a tweet that night. Conspiracy theories. If you disagree with them, your disagreement is nothing. It's immediately diminished to nothing more than a conspiracy theory. Forget about all the video. I mean, it's it's everywhere. And it wasn't Israel creating video. 
it was stuff that came out and news media from around the world got it and captured it. Okay, let's let's get away from that. We've got 15 minutes left in the show today. What about the civil trial going on in New York? New York Attorney General Letitia James against Donald Trump and his companies and his family members. The bank that Letitia James alleged that former President Trump defrauded That bank was eager to land him as a client. (laughs) They lobbied Donald Trump's companies. They wanted him to move all his business to their bank. And that was proven in documents that were presented yesterday during the trial. That's according to the Associated Press. After then managing director of Deutsche Bank, Rosemary Vlablik met with Trump Jr., She wrote in a November 2011 email to colleagues that they were whale hunting, a term that Bravelick explained yesterday in court. It refers to a very wealthy client. According to the Associated Press, Judge Arthur Ingeron ruled in September in the lawsuit that was brought by Letitia James, the Attorney General, that Trump defrauded banks and insurance companies by inflating his net worth and overvaluing his assets. So Trump's legal team introduced emails and documents yesterday that detailed the bank's interest in cultivating a relationship with Trump. So the bank's projected revenue from business with Trump increased from 13000 in 2011 to a paltry $6 million two years later. And that comes from a document from the bank. The document repaired for co-chair Anshu Jain ahead of a lunch scheduled to have with Trump in 2013 also provided Jain suggestions for the meeting like trying to strategically discuss leveraging Mr. Trump's personal and professional network within the real estate industry in New York and asking to obtain more deposits from the Trump Organization, and investment management assets. Given the circles this family travels in, we expect to be introduced to the wealthiest people on the planet. Vrablick likewise said in a 2011 email, when considering a a loan for Trump to purchase a golf resort outside of Miami, The bank cut his estimated $4.2 billion net worth to $2.4 billion. That, too, is from the Associated Press. David Williams, who had worked for 17 years in Deutsche Bank's private wealth management division, and he was involved with Trump Organization loans, testified yesterday that the discrepancy wasn't an issue for the bank. It's not unusual or atypical for any client's provided financial statements to be adjusted to this level, to this extent, he said during the trial. I think we expect clients provided information to be accurate, he said. At the same time, it's not an industry standard that these statements be audited. They're largely reliant on the use of estimates. Now, the estimate that Ingeron, the judge, cited in his ruling to show Trump overvalued Mar-a-Lago 
was also well below market value. Local real estate experts have said so and documented it. Ingeron cited the Palm Beach County Assessor's appraisal of between 18 and $27.6 million. The office's public information officer said was for taxation purposes only. Palm Beach Board of Realtors President John Pickett III told the Daily Caller his colleagues believe the property is worth a quarter of a billion dollars or more, closer to the $426,529,614 Trump listed on his filings between 2011 and 2021. The judge said yesterday the mere fact the lenders were happy doesn't mean that the statute wasn't violated, according to CNN. But you know what? We've looked up the law that they're referencing, the statute that was to protect banks, other lending organizations, and insurance companies from being taken advantage of. Four Deutsche Bank executives are going to testify in the trial this week and next week. I'm going to make a prediction for you. Sometime in the next 30 days, this trial is going to be dropped. And it's not because the judge wants to. It's not because Letitia James wants to drop it. She doesn't. She's built her professional career in both campaigns she's run for office the number one thing she promises campaign donors and people that support her is she's going to send Donald Trump to jail. No substance, allegations, nothing else. Does that sound like legal work? Does that sound to you like equal justice under the law? Not if your last name's Trump. Fox Wednesday. Could this mysterious princess unlock riches? She's a bad singer. All hail, Princess Adrian. All new I Can See Her Voice. Then, TV's number one new show's top ten face double elimination. No one is safe. This can't be good. All new I Can See Her Voice and all new Next Level Chef, Wednesday on Fox. No doubt you've heard about this subliminal seduction nonsense. You know, commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, Baron's Saloon denies any use of this so-called mind control. After all, Baron's is seductive enough as it is. Get in your car and come right now. What with a 16-page dinner menu crammed with delectable items. You're starting to salivate. 30 dinner items under $5. And a happy hour that lasts from 4 till 8 p.m. Obviously, Barron's has that rare combination of good food, good fun, and good prices. So let's put this subliminal seduction nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. You either want to come to Barron's, or you don't. Barron's, Airport and South Academy. A technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet, 
Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, that's true what Pete, Pete Moss just said. Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. In today's America, that is a fact. It should be automatic in every nation on the earth, telling the truth, getting facts. Sadly, it's not, even in the United States of America. So again, we got the big debate tonight on the Sean Hannity Show. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, is debating just the two of them with Sean Hannity between Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, let me just give you, going into this, a little summary of uh, the financial stuff regarding Governor Gavin Newsom. He has received millions in political donations from Hollywood studios, while California gives hundreds of millions in tax credit to the film industry. Now, this is data reviewed by government watchdog Open the Books. Since 2018, campaigns related to Newsom have been given at least a collective $4.1 million in campaign donations from different entertainment companies, executives, or even employees from several major Hollywood studios. Due to the state subsidies to the industry, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Network, Disney, Sony, Comcast are set to collectively receive $722 million in tax credits from 2020 to 2025. Disney's going to get the most in tax credits at more than $218 million, followed by Warner Brothers Discovery at around $181 million, Netflix at nearly $178 million. Between 2018 and 2022, Reed Hastings, who is the co-CEO of Netflix, gave... $3 million to the campaign against Newsom's recall vote in 2022. This, while Netflix executives and employees gave a total of $170,000 in donations. The company executives and employees at Paramount and Warner Brothers Discovery gave $85,000 and $96,000 respectively in campaign donations to Gavin Newsom. The subsidies helped in the production of two TV series, 13 Reasons Why, which certain have researchers linked to a spike in suicides, and the other series, Euphoria, which has been criticized for glamorizing sex, violence, and drug use for high school kids. Newsom and his wife have spent many, many speeches speaking about teen mental health describing it as a top public concern. The Film and Television Tax Credit Program is administered by the California Film Commission. It's allocated a total of $3 billion in tax credits to TV and movies produced in the state over its three iterations that last for five years each. In 2022, Newsom reaffirmed his support for the subsidies backing SB 485, which extends the program another five years through 2030 
and adds 100, excuse me, 1.65 billion in new subsidies. The program's going to give 330 million per year in tax credits to the industry. Do you get all this? <laughs> Pay to play. You want to get good treatment by a government in a state? Find the Democrat that is either in power or wants to get in power and just go sow seed by their support. It's true. It's happening every day and not just in California. That's it for today. You guys have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow morning. We're going to start December together. Have a great day today. See you then. Nobody ever loved me. You love us like Girl, and she loves me a lot And ain't no other man is gonna take my spot And I, I'm so happy you're mine Cause I'ma love you a long time Let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time I'ma love you a long time I'ma love you a long time